You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Hey guys, my name is Oliver Manalise. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is the first time that you're listening to the show, this is a place for us to get an inside look at the breakdowns of influential people and find out the insights that allowed them to break through it. The reason why I find that this conversation is so interesting is that we are all inundated with the highlight reel of Facebook. And sometimes we forget that our heroes and the people that we admire are human beings as well and that they have struggles and and challenges of their own no matter how successful they may be or appear to be. So I feel like this is a very important conversation and I'm glad and grateful that you are tuning in. Today we have a very special guest, but before we get into it, I wanted to invite you to my weekly newsletter called Oliver's Picks. You can look at it and find out about it at Oliver's olivermanalise.com forward slash picks and what it is it's uh, an email that i send to your inbox every single friday filled with my top recommendations this is the books i'm reading the articles i love the the videos that are inspirational or the the tools and the insights that i'm offering my clients things that i find would be valuable to you uh, in an empowering educational way so if you're interested in getting that email every single friday you can sign up at olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. As well, I am a breakthrough coach and I work with leaders in aligned reinvention. And what that is, is I support people to transition their life, work, and relationships to reflect their truth and essence. So if that sounds like you, something that you might be interested in or would like to start the conversation, feel free to email me at podcast at olivermanalise.com and we can set up some one-on-one time and see uh, what we can create and see if we're a match. Finally, if you've gotten some value from some previous episodes, it would mean so much to me if you can head on over to iTunes, write a review, give us a five-star rating. That is the best way for us to spread the message and increase our visibility over at iTunes. Now, over to our guest. Our guest today is Philip McKernan. If you don't know who Philip is, he works with entrepreneurs and business leaders all over the world. He has inspired the Canadian Olympic team, the Pentagon, just to name a few. He has graced stages all over the world. He has brought people to different countries like Sri Lanka, Guatemala, Peru, India, Ireland for his retreats and experiences where they take a really, really good hard look and question the status quo. Uh, I've been to his experiences before and literally you go in for what you want, but you walk away with what you need. He has uh, some books out that he's written. He has a film that he's just created called Give and Grow, where they track the story of people who go through these experiences of personal growth, adventure, exploration, as well as service work and contribution over in India. And if you look Listen in. Yeah, I'm going, to try, I'm going to try and entice you to listen to the whole episode. At the end of the episode, he invites you to a free HD stream of that documentary to the listeners for uh, the film called Give and Grow, his first 
ever film. Today we have an interesting conversation. It was a really great time having him on the show. I hope to have him back again. We talk about the pain of not doing what he was here to do and how that catalyzed him to make a shift and start coaching. We talk about how in the beginning of his coaching, he only had $200 in his bank account and what that was like. He, we talk about you know how in the absence of clarity, how he took action, how he didn't wait for everything to be perfected. And, and most of all, we get an inside look at the fact that when he's holding people to this high standard, to this high possibility in the work that he does, there's overwhelming judgment that he faces, uh, especially because he's in this public sphere. There's a huge emotional cost that he has, uh, as well as as his time. So we, we take a deep dive into those aspects of his life and so much more. I'm sure you'll find this message that he has and his story inspirational, powerful, moving, I am so excited to hear what you think about it, and I know that you'll get some great nuggets of wisdom that you can apply in your own life. So without further ado, let's give a very warm welcome with our open hearts and open minds to the man himself, Philip McKernan. All right, I am here with the one, the only Philip McKernan. It is such an honor to have you on, man. Great to be here. Good to be here. I'm glad there's only one and only Philip McKernan because my wife could not handle two, trust me. <laughs> Neither could the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I look at you as somebody who has had such, an, such a huge impact on my life. I swear to you, I think about you almost every single day and I, I'm, I, I bring up the experience that I had in Brave Soul with you almost every single day. And um, yeah, like, and you're getting to a point now where things seem to be really growing for you. I mean, your message is getting out there. You're doing all these podcasts and interviews and your, your recent film, Give and Grow. It's like you're, you're, you're reaching like this new level. Are you experiencing it that way from your, from your shoes or? Not, not really. I mean, yes and no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't see it as levels. I mean, people talk about, you know, the next level and stuff like that. I get what they're yeah. saying, but I've, I've never kind of looked at my life like that. I mean, to me, I think the more I speak my truth, the more people want to listen for some reason, um, if that makes any sense. In other words, when I used to try to manufacture stuff, try to be clever, try to say what I thought people needed to hear that, you know, I kind of fell between two stools. And what I find now is that the more I speak my truth, irrespective of whether that's embraced or judged um you know more people just seem to be wanting to hear more of that they seem to feel that to some extent it's refreshing or whatever so it, it is definitely the message is getting out there which i'm very very happy at except i don't i don't stop to think about that too much i i I, I think what could happen in that space is very much the ego starts to get very, very massaged, starts to get, you know, fairly excited and stuff like that. To me, I just, you know, it's by putting one foot in front of the other and, and just keeping my head down and, and just believing in what I believe and stretching myself every single day as the way I do my clients, um, you know, in the, in the programs I run. And, and do you feel like it's a message whose time is, has come? Just because like the, the convergence of people looking for that authentic message, looking for that reality check, I feel like it's, it's more prominent than, you know, I remember being in a room of like 15 people with your, in your first base camp. And I don't think this type of conversation, um, at least from, from my perspective at that point, wasn't as prominent as it is, as it is today. So are you experiencing yeah. that as well? I do agree. And this might sound very self-serving, arrogant, uh, complacent, whatever. And it's not certainly not intended that way. But I do find that and this I've never said this before, actually, but I, but I do find that I 
I have this ability to see what's coming and 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 but I've, I've, I, and what drives me to make sure that I'm pushing that that message and that agenda, not my own agenda, but the agenda, and I'll explain that in a minute, is that I remember sitting in Ireland when the Celtic Tiger, this amazing economic growth happened in this small, tiny country. And I remember everyone going absolutely crazy and trying, you know, making hay while the sun shines in an economic and financial capacity, including myself. But I remember just having this eerie feeling that, oh, my God, do they have any idea what's coming? Do they have any idea? It was like I it was like everyone was on a train track and I could hear the train coming and I didn't have the courage, the voice or the 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 way to our race or to get this message across. And I feel some regret around that, that I felt that I didn't tell enough people the train was coming and of course the train wreck was the people talk about the economic you know meltdown it was it was we had lost our way way before that so now i really am trying to prevent stuff that most people fall into in five or six or seven or eight or ten years from now in other words in relationships i'm I'm working with couples and i and, and, and really i create conversations and environments now so they can have conversations now that, that, that therefore don't haunt them in the future. Um, oh. To me, it's about working with startups, uh, entrepreneurs, to make sure that they're building a business that's in alignment with who they are so they don't find themselves being successful on paper but not satisfied in life down the line. So the, so, so my, my indirect long way of answering your question is I do have this eerie ability to see what's coming and create conversations that I believe the world need right now, whether they want it or not, it's a different thing. So for example, I dubbed the concept of soul set and soul set is my, my, my interpretation of what it means to get out of your mind and be more intuitive, to be guided a little bit more, not entirely, but a little bit more by that intuitive sense, as opposed to relying on the intellect. And I said this recently, there is not just a rev- an evolution in humanity, there is going to be a revolution. And the revolution is that we're going to find out in five or 10 years from now that, oh, by, oh my God, we had mindset on a pedestal next to celebrities, next to money, next to formal education, next to entrepreneurship in some cases. And we made a mistake. Mindset's important, just not quite as important as what I dub soul, self, soul set. And, and science is now telling us this. But of course, science typically tells us what we've already intuitively known for many, many yeah. years. It's just validating, giving us permission to actually believe it. So it's, it's almost like the world has used the mind and leveraged the, the, the mind to create the tools and the innovations that we have now. But, it's, but I'm finding that because of transparency and so much more access to conversations and information through, through the internet, we're starting to see through this facade and like, wow, okay, the mind only takes you so far. And what you're saying is the soul set is like a deeper place. And, and it's this thing that we forget about, the intuition, that we don't value yeah. the same way. And yeah, now we're I'm- starting to see that. And not just in our personal lives, but our business lives. I mean, the, the business application to SoulSet is phenomenal. And, and, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details now, but I can give you multiple stories of working with entrepreneurs and we'll leaders. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, who have, who have made decisions from a very intuitive place uh, when I can help them get out of their heads. And the decision they made was not just pretty good or okay. It was 100% right, as it always is when you follow that intuition. I've also picked up the pieces with men and women who find themselves in very tough positions today, financially, economically, in business, in relationships. And I've tracked it back to their their either not willingness or unwillingness to follow their intuition or the truth is that they actually felt it but they just ignored it and actually yes. that was the root cause of the some not all maybe but some of the the disconnection they feel in the world today so that alignment if you can align people in, internally within their own relationship with themselves 
and then bring that externally and align them to the work they want to do in this earth and then externally to other people in this earth. Um, you know, you'll have somebody that is in alignment in every area of their life, not perfect, but again, they'll, they'll derive more meaning and fulfillment from that space. And that's really why I'm on this earth. I mean, that's, that's really why I'm here is to help people with that. Well, I just, I love it just because you live and breathe it. And now I feel like you're just, you're just shining brighter than you've ever had. Like there's like, uh, just layers and layers that you're shedding, but I would love for the people listening to know, um, what does your life look like now? Like what's, what's a snapshot in your life? Cause you've, you've moved to Colorado, you're traveling the world all the time. You're making films, you're doing experiences. You seem really busy, but I would love to know what, what does it look like inside your life? It's perfect. I mean, just go on Facebook and it, it, it matches exactly what I just said. It's absolutely everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. You know, the Lego, the Lego movie, um, which would be a complete and utter fabrication and a complete fucking lie. Um, I, I have challenges like everybody else. Um, the problem is that when you become in, you know, you get more out in the public domain, people have this incessant need to put you on a pedestal. And it's just this deep insecurity within in humanity that, they want to grab strangers off the street and put them on a pedestal. I mean, if you think about the evolution of celebrity, for example, we are so obsessed with taking people on a pedestal. When mm -hmm. the celebrity, the, 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 the film star started to run out of juice and whatever, we went into kitchens and took chefs out. And then we put chefs on pedestals and then we put porn stars on pedestals and we put like, you know, the, we, we just have this absolute obsession of walking into the world business people are, are, are on pedestals. We put people who have created some Idolizing. of the most disconnected devices in the world like Steve Jobs, no disrespect. I'm not trying to deta detach from and to take away from what he did, but, but, but what did he do? He created a device, big deal. No, and no disrespect to the fact that he was innovative and everything else. He didn't necessarily treat people very, very well. He died younger than perhaps he should have. And he created a device that disconnected um, so much of humanity. And yet he's put on a pedestal. And when he died, people had candlelit vigils all over the world because they were devastated and yet they'd never met him. So to me, when you put somebody on a pedestal, um, to me, what you're saying is not just are they better than you, which perhaps you are, but basically what you're saying is you're not good enough. You're not as good as they are. So people have this need to People keep making assumptions about my life. Oh, well, you've just got tons of money. That's why you do what you do. Oh, you're so blissfully happy. Um, the reason you do what you do is because, you know, you've got seven degrees and whatever to that. Um, and, and, it, and they make so many assumptions about my life. And some girl the other day, we were, you know, uh, it, was, it was this back and forth email thing. And she just kept from somebody like you. I'm surprised that you said this. And Someone like somebody you. Somebody in your stature. In your, and I just went back and said, who do you think I am? I've got, I've got veins i've got blood i've got dna everything about me okay is pretty much the same as everybody else on this earth i'm not as special as people make me out to be i'm very good at what i do and that's one thing i've come to the realization i'm very good at what i do and one thing i do very very well is help people get really clear on who they are and what they're on this earth to do yeah. i don't give them a 10-step system i draw it out of them and that is a very very unique differentiator between myself and a number of other people in this industry so I'm good at that, but I'm not as good as people sometimes make me out to be. And um, I know I shouldn't say that, but that's the truth. So what's the what's the latest thing? Because the whole point of this this podcast, at least for this round of interviews, is I want to get an inside look at people who've made such a huge impact on my life and show people that these these people are humans uh, as well, that they have struggles and they have challenges. What yeah. what kind of things are bringing up fear for you recently, or what kind of have you had breakdowns recently? Uh, in yeah, so I'll give you a you couple. You seem so, like you have so much areas where you're investing your time into. Um, I could only imagine what it's like behind the scenes. 
Yeah, so there's a, I think there's, an, there's a massive emotional cost to the work I do. I mean, I'm so invested in people. This is not a business to me. This is not a commercial entity to me. There's commercial realities with it that if I choose to do this full time, I need to make money and I want to make money and so on and so forth. But yeah. this has never been about money for me. And you know that. I mean, you know that from the early days. This has never been about money. And there, there are decisions we'll make. And the decisions are always about impact first, always about impact. And then they're about financial second and even sometimes in some cases third. Um, so to me, I think some of the challenges that I face today is um, overwhelming judgment. So I feel like I'm trying to bring a conversation and a way of living to the world. And some of the world want to hear it and some of the world or a lot of the world don't. And there's a lot of people who are very judgmental towards my work. Ironically, 95%, actually 99% of the people who are overwhelmingly judgmental of my work are people who have never experienced my work. They've never actually gone no through surprise. A real immersive experience with me, so they don't. Is this YouTube comments or what is what is this? It's YouTube. It's personal, private messages. It's emails. It's um, even public. You know, just comments to my face. You know, people. I was in New York. I spoke recently, and I just had this. You know, really angry, like four or five really angry people in the room that just wanted to kind of. And what they do is they want to. I'm not suggesting I have all the answers. Fuck, I don't. Not even close. But what they do is if they can shoot the messenger, if they can take the messenger out. Um, and discredit the messenger. They don't have to listen to the message. To the message, yeah. And, that, and that's the point. And the thing is, I do have some sort of a kind of a counter-cultural, counter-societal message to the world. Like, for example, I don't agree with goal setting in the traditional sense. I don't agree that a happy wife is a happy life. I think it's a fucking recipe for disaster in marriages because you end up compromising to make that happen and you end up building up anger and resentment. And if that worked, by the way, and if information was the answer, we'd all be blissfully happy. Never have we been more disconnected in the world. Never have we had such different difficulty connecting as humanity um and 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 yet people are not open to a different conversation trying to con- not even convince me i used to try to convince people i've left that go but trying to invite people in to consider that maybe mindset is not as important as you thought it was there the the, 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 the anger is is mm-hmm. un- unbelievable so I've, i have found that so people are, are unloading their anger on you Correct. And, and, there are, how, and, and how does that affect you? Does that it's wear? I mean, it's wearing. You doubt it. You doubt yourself. You doubt your ability. You doubt what you're on this earth to do. And not every day, but it and also it's wearing. So even you know, still, get, like even still, people come at you, and you'll still get affected by it, even of after I have. years and years and years. Totally, 100. percent So uh, you know, there's there's a there's immense you know, uh, and this is what this is the only word that comes up. It takes an immense amount of courage to continually put yourself out into the world and believe in people when they don't believe in themselves and to, to hold a space for people that, um, you know, to they, they, not just can they be a better version of themselves, that they, they, can, they can grow and then they can go on and impact other people. That's another thing that I, that, you know, so that's one judgment. Number two, in no particular order. How do you overcome it? So before we go I can't into the next overcome one. It. I can't overcome how it. How do you manage no, it? How do you deal with it? Is there, is there just... Like you, I, just, you just accept that this is a price that you're paying for having such a huge message and you're, and you're getting yourself out there on, on stages, on interviews and things like that. Is that – did you foresee yeah. that as, as the potential cost? I just I, – no, I never saw that. I mean I, I, never, I never imagined that it would be so dramatic. I mean I, I, I always imagined that you know, if your intention was good and you, were, you, you love people and you want the best for humanity and you went out yeah. there and you shared your truth, that people would at least give you the benefit of the doubt. And most people – a lot of people do. But yeah. there's this other element of people and literally they, they just don't – like I'd love them just to let go 
experiment with what I'm suggesting. Just try it and then come back and say, McKernan, you're full of shit, as opposed to just shooting me down before we even start. Um, but and I know I know that's not necessarily about me. I know that. And I can I can say no 20 times. I can go off social media. I can choose not to read. I know all the strategies around it. There's a million strategies to protect myself. But at the end of the day, despite what people think, I, ha- I am human. I've got a pulse. I do care what people think about me to a much lesser extent. And by the way, it's not going to stop me. Just so we're clear, this is not going to stop me. Yeah. But it does take a toll that when you're out there and you're you're so willing to put a new keynote speech, to put a new retreat together, to do a new bring a new conversation to the table that you've never done, that you are so scared of, but you do it anyway because you know the world doesn't necessarily want it, but it needs it desperately. Mm-hmm. And then you just get shot down. I'd be lying to say it doesn't affect me. And anyone that tells you negative feedback doesn't affect them is completely and utterly full of shit. Um, is there a second guessing that you go through when you're I mean when you're about to release a new experience of yours or a new uh, I mean, you, you you created your film. Like, did you have some of that naysaying in your head? You're like, who the hell do totally, I think totally. I am? And what are people going to say? Like, who am I to be making a film? And totally. this is not my 100%. territory. Yeah, I mean, we, I know we're going to talk about one last talk later on. But I mean, I, I share that with a few people. And they said, unless you get big name speakers, one last talk is not going to work. And I said, well, the whole premise of one last talk is about creating an event for people to speak that aren't necessarily professional speakers. And they go, yeah, I love the idea. It's very romantic, but it's not going to work. Is basically the, the language I got from a number of people, not everybody. And I just said, fuck, I'm going to do it anyway. Because, you know, and, and there's this weird other thing. Another thing that takes a lot out of me is that I hold a frame for people. So you know, when I look I mean? at somebody, when I work with somebody, I, 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 I see what's possible for their future. I hold this frame, which is very exhausting for me. And I know this might freak some people out, but I look at them and I see what's possible. In other words, I have this almost this, it's almost like a vision of, you know, meeting them in a couple of years from now and seeing the joy in their eyes and the impact they're making. I can go, it's almost like I go beyond them. So I'm looking at a human being and in front of me in a coaching capacity, whatever, and I'm, I'm beyond them. I'm, I'm actually, I'm down the path, down a path that they don't even know yet that that's possible for them. And I can visualize that and I hold that frame, but I don't tell them about it. I don't share the vision because if I tell them where they need to go and they do it, they won't own it because they think, oh, McKernan told me to do this and he's the genius. Where if I can guide them a little bit, uncover their gift, help mm-hmm. them you know, understand who they are, help them make the decisions and bring them down a path that serves them and they're authentically aligned, they have more joy and they impact the world more. I get to play a very tiny role in a bigger picture. However... The piece of holding the frame, like I broke down crying in front of, I run a group called Brave Entrepreneur, and it's basically for entrepreneurs that I've worked with historically that want to impact the world. And yeah, that I was, basically, that was a few weeks ago, yeah? Yeah, I meet, I meet them three times a year. And, and I'll tell you straight, I broke down crying in front of them one day. What, and what, I broke what down. Did you break down? I broke down because I, I was so sad at the, the reality that these, not all of them, but these brave hugely courageous men and women are sitting in in a room with me and they just cannot or do not want to see their gift and they do not want to see how magical they are and how amazing they are and how much they can impact the world. And I just, I just got so emotional and I just said, God, you have any idea how powerful you are? Do you have any idea? I'm looking at men and women that are incessantly determined to create complexity and put shit in the way and to build walls in front of them. And every time I'm happily taking a wall down, you're fucking building another one behind you. Not to say that these guys are all fucking madly dysfunctional and in some ways they are, but in a beautiful way. And they are so gifted. And I just want the best for them. And I also know what they're capable of in terms of the impact. So I've got this weird combination 
combination of absolute compassion, overwhelming compassion, but there's a ruthlessness and a determination and an, a, an unwavering um, desire and belief that I can support them understanding who they are and what they're here to do, not telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. And I broke down crying because I, I get so invested. I mean, when someone works with me, I get so invested in their future and who they are and what they're on this earth to do and helping them see what they just cannot or do not want to see in their lives. Is it is it frustrating at times? Oh, fuck yeah. But one thing I started to do is let go. I've, I've let go of people like a lot. I've let go of clients. And I, what I mean by that is not firing clients, but I've let go. So I'll just sit in front of somebody. Okay, and I'll investing. Just, so what I do is I keep pouring, pouring into them. And now what I say is like, listen, John, let's just use the name John. John, with respect, right now, you're not willing to see this. You're not willing to go there. You're not willing to make a change. I see you're in the room. I know you've invested time, energy, and money to be here, but you're sitting here like this and you don't really want to make the, you want to make the changes. You want me to tell you what you want to hear. That's not who I am. I'm not going to sit here, blow smoke up your ass and tell you what you're doing is great because it's fucking not. There's disconnections, there's misalignment, there's stuff that you, you see and there's things that you don't see, but you don't want to see them. So with respect right now, John, we're not going to spend any more time in this. We're going to move on to somebody who's ready to move, move. And, and, I, and I literally do that. And ironically, that is the greatest probably one of the best. It's not a technique or a strategy, by the way, just to be clear. It's what I feel. And that to me has unlocked much deeper, more That's meaningful like a boundary conversations. For you. It's a complete boundary. And because so- people want to suck up the oxygen, Oliver. They want to be heard. They want to be seen, but they don't want to change. And those people... So, so what I've learned is I can pour 90% more energy into that person or I can push that certain person aside or just go beyond them. Or I just, not that I don't care about them. I care so much I'm willing to let them go and I can go beyond them. And there's, uh, five, other, there's five other people behind them going, I'm ready, McKernan. I just am blocked in certain them. areas. And I can impact even more people. And, and so why do you think someone would go and spend money and travel to another country and be with you and be away from their family and, and away from their jobs and their businesses and things like that and then resist you? Uh, it happens all the time. I, I think they're so afraid of the truth. They're so afraid of their individual but truth. they get they're so far. They get, they're like right they're finally in front of you. It's, it's like an alcoholic who, who, who says um, – you know, I just used this analogy recently. Someone knocks on my door, you know, literally or figuratively, and they come to my work and they say, hey, McKernan, um, not that I deal with alcoholics, but just use this as an example. Yeah, my wife sent me. And I said, great. Yeah. So what are you here for? Well, I'm here because she thinks I'm an alcoholic. And I go, great. So are you? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, I, no, I, don't think, I don't think there's a problem with alcohol. I mean, I didn't drink last night, for example. So obviously I'm not an alcoholic. And I go, so why are you here? I, I told you because my wife thinks I'm an alcoholic. So do your magic. Do your shit. Fix me. I go, but – how do you, do you, do you have an issue with alcohol? Well, not really. No. And I said, well, there's no work to be done. None. So people do it, Oliver, because they want to be seen to be proactive when in reality, they don't really want to change. They, they do it because they've got a level of intrigue. They do it because they really do want to change, but they want to change in ways that's safe. In other words, somebody that lives in their head, this is a great example. Somebody who lives in their head, um, I had a lady recently, I have, I have a lot of these uh, clients or people who want to be clients um, and they come to me and they're, and they're in their head and they go, okay, this thing in Ireland or this thing, whatever, what do I get from it? And they want that strategy and they want the breakdown and go, mm-hmm. um, I, I said, listen, you know, that's not what we do. I said, we're not going to give you all the details of what this experience is, but here's, here's what I will tell you. And based on your needs, here's where I would direct you. And, uh, I, and then I'd say something like, and they're very heady. They're so heady. They're asking all these intellectual questions. I say, are you open? And they go, absolutely, 100%, which is too fast. They're answering the question too fast. And I say, I don't think you're open at all. I think you're open 
or what I would say is you're the most open, closed person I've met in a while. In other words, you're open on the condition that I can show you on a spreadsheet how I can help you. And they go, yeah, well, obviously. And I would say, well, that's not open. That's conditional They're holding openness. back, yeah. It's conditional openness. In other words, I'm open to trusting you, open to coming on one of your retreats, one of your coaching programs on the condition that you can show me how I'm going to grow. And, and to me, that is – That's heady. So, it's so heady. They want the step-by-step. Totally. Good luck with that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. I will help you, but I just won't bring you through the step-by-step process of the perfect life because there's millions of those people out there in the world, and uh, I don't necessarily believe in that approach. Yeah. So, so I get I, – I literally said recently I get thousands – I get people who, pl- who travel thousands of miles, pay thousands of dollars for the clarity that they do not want. People don't want to often uncover who they are at the core, what they're on this earth to do, because then they have to run the risk of failing doing what they love. And that people aren't willing to do that. And, and so what, what was it for you that had you feel like, okay, I'm going to do what I love and I'm going to risk falling flat on my face? Because you had pain. so many other <laughs> pain but, and you had so many other worlds that you were part of, wine and coffee and real estate and things like that, um, where, you know, I feel like real estate is, is kind of like a shield. Like if you fail in real estate, okay, you, you fail in that thing. But here you are, you're sharing your gift. If you fail in that, that's... Yeah, I mean, my, the real estate failed because of the economic climate, and and the real estate failed because you know the oil sands, the the the, the barrel dollar for the, of the barrel goes up in Canada, and the, the real estate failed because I overextended myself, and the bank pulled in the debt, and they, the 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 real estate There's failed. Always a story and excuse. But, and- yeah, because the rental market dropped, and the real estate failed because you know because you know China stopped buying you know steel or or whatever. In other words, it's never really about you. You're not that emotionally invested. So for me, the reason that I do what I do today is is because it's because of pain um Your and a, and a, pain or a pain in the world or both well i'm a pain in the ass so i mean that's that's one thing but i mean that's a different type of <laughs> i know pain, that but, um no i mean I, I the pain of not doing what i'm on this earth to do became so insurmountable i mean it got to a point where and people people still hold on to this 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 imaginary perception that oh the only reason you stepped into coaching and speaking and didn't make income for years until you know you built in your name is because you had the money from real estate to do that no one asked me. No one ever asked me. Is that true? They just assume. So, uh, so what we was left, it like? What was the we had two hundred dollars? Like? We had two hundred dollars in the bank account. So we built this real estate Jesus. portfolio. We spent two years building a real estate business, um, and we were going to take all these investment dollars from from uh, Ireland, primarily in the UK, and we had lots of investors lined up. The Irish economy went off a cliff, literally off a cliff, free fall. All those dollars, and we spent a ton of money on legals and 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 tax and everything else. We poured all the money we had into into this, and we didn't make a I didn't make a single dollar for like probably over just over two years. And my wife said to me, we went home uh, to Ireland, and we we were living in Canada at the time. My wife said, I'm not going back to Canada. What's the point? I've got two. We've got two hundred dollars in the bank account. It's not working. And I looked at her, Holy and I just smokes. said. And no one knows the story. No one ever asked about the story. And I'm not trying to hide it. It's just no one ever asked. And I just said, okay. I said, well, fuck it. I'm going to do this uh, this coaching thing. And I put an email out. <laughs> I didn't have an email list. We didn't have uh, – I, I, maybe I was on Facebook. I think I was maybe just on Facebook. Anyway, I put something out. And I can't even remember what it was. And some guy emails back within like – I'm probably exaggerating, but 10 minutes and goes, I'm in. And I went back and said, what do you mean you're in? He said, I'm in for this coaching. And it's, by the way, if you don't mind me saying, it's about fucking time you did it. I've been waiting for four <laughs> years since I met you to stop pissing around with real estate and do what you're on this earth to do. And I said, you don't even know how much it is. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm in. I'll pay whatever. And he was my first coaching client. I'd love to say it just took off. 
and I was in this apartment in Vancouver and I had one client on the books and I talked to him every two Holy weeks for one hour smokes. and I'm sitting there and no, the phone wasn't ringing and sometimes I'd pick up the phone and I'd actually pick up the phone just to make sure it had a dial tone. I was wondering why people weren't coming. <laughs> and I, it was a gong show. My wife got uh, went out and got a job that she didn't really enjoy because she needed to bring so, in money to keep us so going. She, so she had a job going and you were, you were like, you went full time into this. You didn't have any other side I business no, or income or job or anything no, like that. You had the one client. Nothing. One client and then it was two. And uh, and it started from there and they were my greatest university. People I would always be grateful for because they didn't just, they gave me a shot. They believed in me when, you know, even at a time I didn't believe in myself. And this is another thing in the world today is the one thing I will say I'm good at. And, 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 and you know, you know I, I believe I'm very good at what I do professionally. Uh, but the one thing I've always been good at is, um, and it doesn't always work out well, but I mean, in the, I, I have a saying in the absence of clarity, take action. In the absence of clarity, take action. Uh, to be fair to myself, I didn't wait for all the ducks in a row. I didn't wait till I had my coaching certificate, which I still don't have, by the way. I didn't wait till I had it all perfected and then launch. I didn't have a website. I didn't have like anything um, or very, very little. And um, I, I, I executed based on what my heart was telling me. And Were you coached before? Like, did you have an experience of being coached or what was it about you that you felt like, okay, this is a direction to take, talk to people and see if, see if I can coach them and support them. Uh, did you just yeah. naturally have a mentoring kind of conversation with people, like helping them give advice or things like that? I was always, I, I think my mother, if she was sitting here beside me, she says she, he always was a bit odd and a bit funny and he'd always have these weird conversations with people. So I was always, I think growing up, even as a young kid, I, I hung around a lot with older people, not because there was any strategy behind it. Um, I think today we look at we look at opportunities through the lens of what's in it for us too much. Like, for example, if somebody hears this, somebody might go, oh my God, you hold, hang out hang out with older people. That's a good idea. I must find an older person to hang out with. Yeah, that's a good strategy, you know, because they're wise. Older people aren't old, old aged is not equal wisdom by the way that some of the yeah. oldest people i know are some of the stupidest dumbest and and, and i don't mean stupidest and dumbest in, the, in a really bad sense but like but in terms of a lack of a lack of awareness okay it, it, they just don't have it and um, so so age doesn't equal wisdom but I did hang out with a lot of older people and I was always the kind of the go-to guy if people had issues and challenges. And then I started coaching people and people, again, no one, no one's ever really asked me about this, but I actually started coaching people, uh, would you believe in a pub in Ireland? Now we weren't drinking alcohol, just we're clear. And I would meet them around the corner on this canal in Dublin and I would take on uh, one client at a time and I would meet them every week face to face for six weeks for one hour. And at the end of that, irrespective of how good it was going or how bad it was going, they could not engage any further than that. They worked with me for six weeks and then they were gone. And I was doing that, and basically they had so to pay something. this is before you had the official client. Way right? before. Okay, okay. Way before. Way before. And then and they, they paid would, you in beers, or what? What did they? No, no, they paid me in cash, and that okay. money would go to a charity. So I didn't even take oh, the money. Okay, they okay. would give. They would write a check for the value they thought at the end of it, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, whatever it was, and I would give that to a charity. So there was no money changing hands for me, and I did that because I loved giving that space, and I felt that. You know, if somebody's out there and their mentor is their cousin, their aunt, their dad, their mom, I, that's a huge grave mistake because they're emotionally, mentally or financially invested that's or right. physically invested in the outcome. So therefore, they're blinded and they're not going to serve you in the way that you imagine. So if your girlfriend or your boyfriend is your greatest hero and mentor, they're brilliant, but don't rely on them. Um, and it's not that they can't help you, but what will happen is they'll see you through a specific lens and they will not push you in a way that you need to be pushed in order to uncover your gift and unleash it in a way that all ultimately represents you and impacts more people. So to me, it was testing this theory that somebody independent from the outcome 
can see it in a much different way. And, and that was my, that was my testing ground. That was like when you were flexing the muscle, this brings us right back to, you were holding the frame. Like you can see, you were sitting in these pubs for six weeks with people and you can see their possibility. Was that the beginning of it? When you were like, whoa, okay, this finally lands. I'm finally getting the fact that I can do this. Like I could see people as their possibility. Yeah, and I'll share if I may may share one story, and I I've rarely ever shared this publicly, but yeah, sure. Uh, there was one guy called Shane, and he he did some work with me, and you know we went through the bullshit of you know okay here's my goals, this is what I want financially, this is the business I want, and I, we got to this core probably after probably our third meeting, and I got to the core. I said Shane, what's 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 what really is the thing that bugs you the most? Like what is the thing that really plays on you, weighs on you, you know, bothers you. And he said, I'm single and I'm, I don't have an intimate relationship. And, mm-hmm. um, and the tears came and he said, you know, honestly, uh, you know, all this other bullshit, I can figure that out on my own. I have all the strategies. I know what I'm doing. He said, um, I'm single and I'm, I'm embarrassed to, to bring that up. And this was the big breakthrough moment. Like he finally broke down. He shared, you know, what really is important for him. And he, and he kind of feels yeah. that guilt and shame and excitement. And I turn around, of course, and totally pissed him off by going, thank you for sharing that. I'm delighted you brought that to my attention. However, we're not going to focus on that at all in the next three weeks. And he goes, <laughs> what do you, what the fuck? He said, I've just opened up. I've just broken down. I've just got to my core, my longing. And you're saying, I said, we're not going to focus on it. And what we're going to do is we're going to completely ignore it and we're going to work on because the amount of people that come to me and say X marks the spot. This is the thing I have an issue on. That's right. If I could find my passion, if I could find a lover, if I could fall in love with myself or whatever it is, if I could just figure out the money piece, if I could create more time. And 99.9% of the time, it's not X, it's actually Y. As Indiana Jones said, it's not the thing. And, um, so we worked for the next three weeks and he did what I, you know, we, in those days I probably told him a little bit more than I do now. I draw it out a bit more now. He did everything and then we finished and, uh, you know, we went to, and I don't know Tony Robbins work that well at all. Um, you know, people assume that I've done all his work and everything else and, uh, you know, good for him if he's helping lots of people. Great. But I did do one weekend about 10 years, 50, must be 15 years ago at this stage, uh, at UPW, I think it's called like the unleash the power yeah. then or something. I brought my brother to London. Anyway, 7,000 people in a room. We go to this hotel outside. So you can imagine the hotel was just crazy. And I'm sitting there by the fireplace with a beer in my hand. And I see this guy, Shane, walk in the door. And this is probably, about, I'm guessing about six months after we finished our coaching. Mm-hmm. And I see him coming in the door and he doesn't see me. There's a mill of malaise of people. And I'm just sipping my beer. And I just, knew we were going to meet i just knew he'd 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 find his way to me he didn't even know i was there didn't even know i was in london and he walks through walks through and he's just going to the bar and he looks over and he goes and he's, i could see him saying mckernan you know and he comes over he comes over and he walks straight up to me he goes you're not going to believe it and i just said what's her name he goes, who, he's, who told you who, who told you and i said you did the minute you walked in i saw your face and he goes your shit works and i went Okay, is that a compliment or a kind of a slight insult? Because your <laughs> shit works. Your shit works. And he goes, it was so weird. It was I, I totally let go of needing to find a girlfriend. And it's the very fucking time she came along. And it's amazing. And oh. um, I think there's a number of lessons in there. And I think for me personally at that time, it was one of the little pieces of validation I needed to know that as I built my coaching and as I built my retreats, I have never looked at it. Actually, maybe in the early days I did, but I, I've always looked at it from the point of view of what people need, not what they always want. 
And to be fair, I think if there's one thing I'm remembered for is having the courage to stick to that belief and creating conversations and environments. And that's an example, a small example, but an example nonetheless. And it's actually not that small. It's significant. No, um, that says says so much about you because, I mean, that's when people ask me, that's what I say. It's like I've always gone to your experiences for what I want, but I actually go home with what I needed. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 the best way to put it. There's there's no other way to put it. You got to go and experience Phil McKernan's work. Mm-hmm. So that um, then you didn't you didn't coach after that. So that was 15 years ago. Was there like a break? Was there like a you're mm-hmm. like I'm not going to make a career out of this, or I'm going to try try this other stuff? Like what happened? Well, the story I was told, or the story I believed, or the story I told myself. I don't know which, or maybe it's a combination of all. Is that? But coaching is great. But number one is you need you need to have massive experience. You need to have a degree. You, yeah. you know, I've, I've no education, so I felt an insecurity around that. And secondly, is um, you know, what if I was financially free? What if I built a real estate portfolio, became financially free? Then I'd have the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do, which is brilliant in theory. And I don't I don't want to belittle or condescend on anybody that actually is still holding on to that reality. But that was, that was a story that I was sold and a story that I chose to buy into. And mm-hmm. to me, that story is complete and utterly, completely and utterly flawed from the inside out and the outside in. Um, because no one said to me, and maybe this is a very obvious thing, no one said, what if you just did what you loved, what you're here to do? I wonder, could you make money doing that? Is that even remotely possible? And even when that conversation came up, I think I dismissed it very aggressively. So um, – I'd love to tell you some great vision from a very early stage and, and I executed on it and I didn't get lost along the way and I didn't chase the shiny dollar or whatever. I did. Um, and it wasn't until I let that go that I fully committed to doing what I'm doing today that it start to start to work in the right way. And I don't just mean on the ice. I mean, you know, financially things are better. Um, you know, we get paid well for what we're doing, but also emotionally and spiritually, I'm, I'm so enriched with the work that I do every single day. You can't put a dollar amount on it. And, and so – now here you are you've you've moved to colorado can you tell us the reason why you moved there is there i hate canadians <laughs> i knew it <laughs> i knew it because i was like i was like because it's cold it gets cold there too so it can't be that no no it actually doesn't ironically it doesn't get cold sorry no it does but I thought you can ski and snow. yeah i thought there's mountains no no there's and... this there's this perception that you know colorado is buried in snow where we are right now if i go out today i'm gonna be wearing shorts going hiking and stuff it's bizarrely oh, amazing now, I, honestly, I mean, you know, let me let me show you where. I mean, I don't know if you can see this, but that's the Rocky Mountains just there. Oh, that's a beautiful view, man. And that's the um, so basically that's that. what I that's what I look out on every single day, and um, the, the weather is just stunning. So yeah, it does get snowing, it does get cold, and everything else. To me, to me, and I say this very respectfully, Canada has been very good f- for us, and I don't mean good for us in an economic sense or, or what an opportunity. I mean, it was great for us in the sense that Canadians be- gave us a shot. They gave us. They believed in us. They allowed us in. They did. They did various different things for us, and they gave us a kind of a platform of belief, um, which I don't believe I've turned my back on, and I will be always be internally grateful for that. And but it was here's like a transition I, point for you. Yeah, I, mean, I I almost feel guilty saying that with because I have so many good Canadian friends, clients, and obviously you're Canadian as well. But you know, I, I feel that it's more than that. I mean, it was a place okay. that just really accepted us in, and 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 to me, it was it was we never looked at it like a transition. It was okay. never the plan was never to move to America. That was never part of the plan, um, and I think that's important for me to illustrate that to anybody who's listening that that knows me in Canada. Um, it was never the plan. But here's what I do believe about America: leaving the politics, the the education system, all that kind of crap aside. 
and I don't believe in politics. I don't get involved in politics. But it, but here's what I here's what I do believe is there's opportunities everywhere in the world. But there are possibilities here that I, with respect, believe that do not exist in other parts of the world or to the same I extent. Yeah. There's a po- if you're willing and, – and, and, of course, there's a shadow side to that. And the shadow side is the political system we see today. The shadow side is some of the craziness that goes on in this country, as in there's many crazies in, in every country. So there's this weird extreme – possibilities in this country but if you're willing to work hard and deliver value there are possibilities here that do not exist in any other country in the world and i say that respectfully including ireland where i love and i'm from any other world any other place and we didn't move here for economic reasons we moved here because i had an itch and i needed to scratch it it was initially uh, the thought process was around um i couldn't get a permanent residency in canada so we initially looked at it as a, as an, as a second option and then it became more real and more real and more real and as soon as we'd made a decision to move I got my permanent residency card in the post two weeks later after (laughs) nine years of waiting. That's your Shane experience. Exactly. It's amazing. (laughs) When you let go, you get what you get, what you want always. And it happens again. and it happened again. And rather than reversing the decision, we said, no, we're going to go to the States and we're going to yeah. give it a go. And we may move back to Canada in six months or a year or two years or whatever. Or we may never move back. I don't know. But all I can tell you is right now, this decision makes sense. And one, of, and even if you bring that back to <clears throat> people who are considering transitions in their life, is the one of the biggest challenges that people face today is let's just say you're living in Edmonton, you're living in Calgary, you're living in Vancouver, you're living in yeah. Austin, Texas, living in London, and you you know in your heart it doesn't work for you, but you you use this excuse or this rationale, say, well, I don't know where I do want to live. I don't know where I want to live. I don't know if it's Colorado, if it's Vancouver. To me, that's a flawed perspective. And 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 what I ask people to consider is act upon what you know as opposed to what you do not. So in other words, mm-hmm. act. You already have the information. You know you hate where you live. You know it doesn't nurture your soul. You know you don't That's like in the, the absence of clarity thing too. Take action. And then, well, what if I move to Austin? I don't like it. I go. Well, you move. Go find out. <laughs> you go to Austin. I'm just using Austin as an example. You sit in Austin. I don't, I've never lived in Austin. You sit in Austin. You go after two or three months. Go. Jeez, I hate this place. It's too hot. It's too warm. It's too cold. It's whatever. And then you go. Well, what's next? And people are so reluctant to make so, those decisions based on what they know. They're always trying to figure out exactly. And, of course, you're never going to know what Austin is like mm-hmm. until you do it. So we can sit here and debate, well, will I like it? Will I not? You'll never know. So give it a lash and, and see what happens. That's a getting <clears> in the <throat> head again. That's totally getting in the head. Yeah. But um, how are you finding so, – so, so you're a father. You're a husband. You have this growing career and your, your name is getting out there. It's getting huge. How are you balancing all of that? Because I, I don't try to balance it. There was one time when we, like, we, were, we were at one last talk and I'm just like, you look busy. And you're, uh, like, and you're like, it's like, yeah, it's, like it's, it's really busy right now. And you said something really honest and you're like, sometimes you don't know when the phone's going to ring. And then it does. And then you say yes to everything. And then here you are, like you're, you're flying from one country to the next. And like, it's like, it can get exhausting. So can you, can you give us an inside look at what that's like? Well, let me ask you a question. Um, and uh, this, this might backfire sure. completely on my, okay. in my face, but do I look exhausted to you right now? Like, do I look Not today, exhausted? not today, but that moment. Yeah. But, but here, but here's the thing. So there's a couple of things in this. Number one is last year I said yes to pretty much everything and I didn't realize all of it would drop and pretty much everything I said yes to dropped, which is brilliant. And it was a great lesson. And honestly, when I stopped at the end of last year, I said to myself, 
wow, this is what I dreamed about. This is what I wanted. So shame on me if I complain about it. So I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, At the same time, I think there's an honesty where you stop and say, okay, what is the cost to this? Because I don't want to be one of these entrepreneurs who constantly rationalizes and justifies the craziness and the busyness uh, to themselves intellectually, but ultimately there's an emotional cost. There was absolutely emotional cost. There's no doubt in my mind. I know pretty much know exactly where it was. And it came out probably in the, in the, in the space of parenting in the most, in the most part. So what we've done is this year I've said, number one is I'm saying no to more things. Number two is I'm traveling with my family more. So they go to Vegas with me this week. I speak at a large conference. They're going to the Bahamas the following month with me. Yeah. We're going to bring them back to Peru where we built an orphanage and we did a project there and where they're going to come to uh, with that again. So that's number number one. Number two is so I'm saying no. including them more. Including them more. I'm saying no to more stuff. I'm taking on probably arguably less clients this year, coaching clients and retreat clients, believe it or not, even though one would think we're amplifying that and growing that. Um, and I'm just going to be more strategic. And we're actually not going to launch the new concepts this year than we planned. We're actually postponing some of them, either pushing them out to later in the year or in some cases, we're actually saying no till 2018. So I'm actually slowing really managing. down. Yeah, you're really managing the growth. because. Yeah. I mean, even from years ago, you could have like went all out with so many different directions, um, but totally. you just seem to be like, and, and so the, there's one thing that I really admire about you is that like your, your integrity and the people who, who follow you and have done work with you, they're just like this. They're like, McKernan's doing an event. I'm in like, yes. Like, it's just like this so quickly because they, they trust you and they've experienced mm. it and they know um, how much, like how much of you is put into it and like yeah. how you're, how much you're willing to actually do stuff like this where you're postponing projects to another year. Yeah. I mean, I, th that is a beautiful thing when people trust you to that extent. And it's also, it can be a little bit overwhelming, um, you know, emotionally because it's just like, wow, people put that kind of level of trust in me. But there is that reality that I said to somebody not that long ago, I said, have you got your bags packed for Peru? And it was a trip I was running and they went, Peru? Peru? Oh yeah, you're going a trip. Yeah, no, no. I looked at it. I'd love to go. And I said, no, no, you're coming. And, 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 and that's not the sort of thing you'd say to us, but I was just a client I know I love. And I also know what we were going to do down there. And I also know the impact it was going to make in his life where he was at that point. And he literally said, okay, I'm in. And he booked yeah. his ticket, paid his thousands of dollars, whatever it was for the, the big, big trip. We went down for 10 days and about two days in or three days into this trip, I remember catching his eye in a bar in a cafe and he just looks across and he does this. And it wasn't like, <laughs> oh, good, you know, good to be here. It was I now know why you said I should be here. So I do pride. I think we've probably got this right, not maybe 100% of the time, but almost 100%. And that is we would not recommend an experience for somebody unless we truly, truly believe that we can deliver value that they either want or that they need in their lives. And that's something that we pride ourselves on. Um, and, and the other thing is I remember speaking at Vegas one day and a guy took out his wallet in the bar and he was so fired up about my talk. And he was, oh, you know, here's my wallet. Like, can you take a photograph? Scan it now. I'm, I'm in for your whatever retreat. And I said, put that wallet away or I'll fucking hit you. And he was like, he said, excuse me? And I was a big guy, so he would have beat the crap out of me. But I said, don't you dare do that. I said, you know, you're on a high right now. Something I said touched you deeply. If my work is meant to be, I said, you'll come back to us at some point in the future and we have a proper conversation, whatever. So we don't like the seminar junkies. We don't like the people no who are reactionary. Sound throwing a credit card at us. They're not the people we want to work with with respect yeah. because they're almost in a desperate place. They're looking for the magic bullet and they're looking for somebody to tell them how, they, how to live their life. They're not willing to put themselves in, roll up their sleeves, do real work and understand who they are and uncover their wisdom. They're too busy looking for somebody else's wisdom, which I think is not sad in a condescending way, but it's, un, it's unfortunate and it's unnecessary. Yeah. So, so what are you looking forward to next? Like what brings you... What, what creates like some fear and nervousness? Like, is there a growth edge for you 
in this new year? Because I know you said you're postponing some projects, but is there anything upcoming that, yeah. that you're really 100%. excited and nervous about? <laughs> yeah, I'm more nervous than excited. Uh, I think I think there's one thing just before I say that is one thing I think what's what's really emerging for me is is my work is now moving more and more towards helping people uncover their gift and going out and impacting the world. In other words, kind of you know you know I suppose you know really just helping people really kind of make, and I, when I say an impact, people think about the word impact and think about building an orphanage that think about the word impact, speaking in front of 10,000 people, writing a book, whatever that could be part of it. But impact to me is just about impacting your own individual life, your yeah. life around you, your family, your community, and maybe the world, who knows? So to me, I get then arguably, you could say that I get to play a small role or a very tiny role in a bigger picture. And um, so the, to me, that's exciting. And uh, so that's kind of emerging as part of now within that, the, probably the thing that kind of scares me the most is one last talk. And you, uh, You've been at one last Perfect. talk. You were there the last time you volunteered. You were brilliant. Uh, by the way, I recommended you, you yesterday to somebody else uh, that you might get a phone call from in terms of uh, uh, you know the volunteering. You just and it's not a volunteering; it's your energy in that space was amazing. So to me, one last talk is something that uh, not many people know this, but I was going to shut it down about a year ago, and I was going to shut it down because I felt like one of those things that. I said, can the world not see how important this is? Because it's not about me and my ego. It's about putting people who have beautiful stories that don't believe their stories are beautiful on a stage with the sole purpose of impacting one person in this, in this world to let them know that they're not alone, that their story matters. And um, and so for, for those of you listening, it's One Last Talk is an event where basically people are given 15 minutes to get on a stage and deliver their one last talk they'll ever give before they yeah. die in essence. And um, I believe it's very powerful. And so what I want good. to do is bring it to the world. So I'm starting a book this week. And the book is going to be basically a manual of how to extract uh, your one last talk. So we're basically putting a lot of resources into that. So anybody in the world can extract their one last talk. And why would they want to do it? So well, this is the next one, book that you're writing. It's the next book, which I'm starting this Friday. <laughs> and, 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 and the reason that I'm doing this is, is very simple, is that if you go through the process of writing your one last talk, the personal awareness you get, the clarity you get, the understanding you get is about yourself, but what's important to you is immense. Number two is it could be a legacy piece where you choose to document what your one last talk is, like your most important message, and leave it for your, the next generation, your, your kids. And number three is why, why couldn't you or shouldn't you deliver your one last talk to other people? It does two things as I hold up three fingers, it does two things. Number one is it, it is therapeutic and cathartic for you to That's deliver right. your one last talk. It's like letting go. It's about sharing your truth with the world. And it frees you in ways that you cannot comprehend unless mm. you've stood on that stage and done it. And number two is it lets people in the world know and, and you can relate to people in ways that professional speakers can never do. And that is let every ordinary Everyday individuals know that they're not alone, that depression, suicide, abortion, um, lack of clarity, unhappiness, success, amazing amounts of money, no money at all, dysfunctionality around money. All of these everyday things that we face are not, as the case may be, are okay and they're more than normal. They're absolutely part and parcel of life, but That's you right. don't have to be trapped by them. So the idea about one last talk is we, we, want, we, want, to, we, want, to, we want to we want the world to take it on. We want people – ambassadors to take it on in their cities and their towns all over the world in time and we want them to run one last talk every quarter not as a main way of generating income but because they're truly interested in it and they want to they believe in this and uh, we want to use this platform to bring the most important personal stories and narratives to the world and that is your personal story just because you didn't have a tragedy doesn't mean your story doesn't matter yeah you, you said you wanted to a couple of months ago that you want to give it away and you didn't know how it was going to look like is this, is this what it is? 
This is what it is. I mean, this is where we're, 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 we're going back to the foundation and we're actually building a process to extract the talk because we believe that's the most important part. The second most important process, part yeah. is, is, is finding the right ambassadors who are going to take this on. And this has to be bigger than Philip McKernan. This has to be this has to be this has to exist without me involved. Um, and, and the reason for that is the people who build this are going to be the ambassadors and the people who stand on the stage and have the courage to deliver their one last talk. And by the way, for a little exercise for people, if you don't mind me throwing an exercise at them, is do it. rather than taking on your one last talk, if you want to do something at home, write, write, t- take a blank piece of paper, sit down somewhere with a glass of wine, with a coffee, cup of tea, whatever, nice, quiet environment, and just approach that piece of paper. That's the one last letter you'll ever write. Now, don't do it on your laptop. Don't do it on a, on a keyboard. Write out the one last letter, and I'd be intrigued to know who you'd write it to and what would you say. Who would you write it to and what would you say? Do you want to send it to yourself? Do you want to send it to your cousin, your aunt, your kids, your mom, your dad? That person could be passed away. Who would you write it to and what would you say? I think what comes out of that is just it's so revealing about what's really important about a human being. And I mean, being in the audience, I went to the, the first one, I went to the most recent one, and you just realize how everybody goes through struggle and it kind of, you don't like that feeling of not alone was huge for me. Yeah. Totally. During that experience. So I'm, I'm yeah. excited about this. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens with it. So am I. I mean, I'd love to have all the answers. I don't. And we had, uh, we had a conference call recently just as an introduction conference call to 17 people from all over the world, uh, as far as Melbourne, Sydney, Panama, all over the world who want to take on one last talk. And, and I, I joined them and I said, here's where we, here's where the vision came from, from one last talk, where it is now, what's worked, what hasn't worked and where we want to bring in the future. And I said, by the way, somebody says, so how exactly is it all going to work? And I said, I don't know. But I said, what I want to do is build at 80% and I want the ambassadors to build the final 20. I want them to be invested. I want them to feel their personality, their blueprint, their fingerprint all over this thing. I don't want this to be a dictated concept or franchise or any of that. I want this to be a community where we uh, present a framework. We present something we believe works. We support it, but also the community of ambassadors build it and help us build it. And we share in it together. That's the idea. This is, this is a perfect dovetail to the, fa- the fact that you're applying the idea of give and grow to more and more areas of your life and the work that you do. Totally. I mean, I, do you know what I'm doing? We were just at a conference call today because I can't find the right event for it. But I do work with couples and a lot of couples don't want to do this work because they either don't see that they have an issue. So they don't see the idea of, you know, it, it, you know, a couples retreat, basically. And the challenge of this couples retreat historically has been, you know, both parties don't see the value in it. So, you know, mm-hmm. you come back to your wife or you come back to your husband and you say, hey, honey, I want to go on a couples retreat. Well, what's wrong with us? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe what, what this is about is making sure that we're, we're addressing things today that don't haunt us tomorrow back to our original comment at the very beginning. And science is saying that couples wait five years too late to work in the relationship. So I want to create those conversations, not for dysfunctional, broken couples. It's for couples yeah. that are good, but could be better or good or could be great. And um, I decided that uh, for the first time ever, I'm going to do a retreat and we're going to offer it out to the world. And whoever comes, they decide what they pay. So they don't, they can pay me a dollar or they can pay me $5,000. <laughs> it's up to them. And uh, we lie, I did a video on it and put it on Facebook. And uh, you are people taking like, risks, man. Yeah, I mean, I could, I, it could blow up my face financially, but you know what? I don't care because at the end of the day, this work, even if I walk out of there with $20 in my back pocket and I've infected, you know, tr- you know, you know, affected 20 couples or 30 couples to have conversations today that affect and create generational 
break generational patterns, you know, prevent them from falling into pitfalls down the line, you know, deal with workaholism, you deal with intimacy in the sense that now we don't talk about intimacy, but indirectly we do have real vulnerable conversation, understand where you come from and why you do the shit you do today and why you bug your partner. It's not because you're out there to bug them. It's because that's your schooling. You saw your parents doing it. All of that really enriching powerful conversations that a lot of couples with respect are just not having because uh, they don't want to they don't know how to and they've never been never been um trained to so to that's me it's like incredible offer yeah but that's where that's where i want to bring this i've got to make money obviously because i do this full time and i've got a family and etc uh, etc et cetera, et cetera. but it's not all about it's never been about the money for me ever but you're also experimenting and finding ways to see how you can apply this like okay let's try Correct. this out and you're, you're actually going out there taking risks and, and you're putting yourself on the line like this is my philosophy this is what i believe and we're going to apply that all over the place um i would love for you to talk about give and grow yeah, so Give and Grow is a documentary, our first documentary. Um, we, 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 it's basically, it's a social experiment where we take a group of people to India, um, to, to not just, you know, challenge them in an environment that uh, perhaps they're not used to, but to expose them to giving in a way that perhaps they've never given. In other words, traditionally, um, or more traditionally, more recently, I should say, is giving is, is, is typically been a lot about cutting right and checks. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we ourselves raised, whatever, $70,000 last year to finish off an orphanage mm-hmm. in Peru. So, so, so money is required in certain, but I, 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 I don't want people to see that as the sole way of giving. And, and one of the reasons they do is because they don't see a value in themselves. And how could I possibly give if I'm not giving a check and I'm not bringing toys, I'm not bringing this. Well, then what am I bringing? Well, you're bringing you, but I don't speak Spanish. It doesn't matter. I don't speak, you know, Hindu. It doesn't matter. And putting these people, these entrepreneurs, these leaders in these environments, and what we do is unlike any other volunteer experience is that we put them through the giving part. We create space in nature. So we go hiking and then we basically do a workshop at the end. We do a deep dive into how did this matter to you? How did this relate to you and your gift? How does this show up in your life? And it's an, it's a personal growth um, retreat that that basically brings giving and science and everything else into it. And the clarity people walk away from is immense. So we decided to build um, bring a team uh, to capture this, to, 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 to illustrate this in a documentary, to show the world that unconditional giving has this incredible ability to help us grow exponentially. And if, if I could simplify it, what emerged from the storytelling process was the difference between a talent and a gift, that we all have talents. Mm-hmm. So I'm good at you know, crunching numbers. I'm good at writing code. I'm good at building walls. I'm good at building houses. I'm, I'm good with this and whatever. That, that can be a talent, but it's not necessarily my gift. And the differentiation, the, differ- the difference between the two and how the two can serve us are sometimes taken away. Um, and, it, and then we brought in a neuroscientist. We brought in a, you know, a couple of other experts. And then we have these four people we follow. I share philosophy along the way. And, um, you know, we just started doing this the other day, as I said, and we're going to give away the film to whoever is listening today and whoever is watching today. And uh, if they go to giveandgrow.com forward slash Oliver Manalis, uh, you can download it, the high definition via Vimeo there for free and watch it. That is such a, an incredible opportunity for people to get a, not only get a glimpse of the, the work that you do, but the actual impact. Because you see people from the beginning to the end and, and see how much they have shifted in like little ways, in big ways. But also, it's just so moving. It actually, I'm so surprised because I've physically been with you in experiences. And just to, to just see it on film and actually also be moved by by the process that you brought people through and the experiences like i was yeah i was i was actually blown away by it
So yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it's it's. I mean, again, it was a tough. I mean, I don't know anything about filmmaking or didn't know anything about filmmaking, and maybe still don't. But uh, it was a tough project, and it was a very. I was very outside of my comfort zone. I, I got a good team of people. I got you know two co-directors. I had a producer. I mean, it, it was it was a lot of moving parts, but um, and a, a lot of time, energy, and effort. But it's a message that we believe the world needs. And of course, the first thing people say to me is, "What's your distribution strategy?" And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" They said, "Well, that's where you start, then you work backwards, you build a film accordingly." And I said. I know that's maybe how it's done in the film world. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to build it based on where, where I see the vision of it. I want to just focus on the vision of the story, get the story out, and figure out the, the rest afterwards and uh, and see where it goes. Man, there's there's so much in this conversation. And, I mean, with with all of the projects that you have lined up and you offering to to share the, the HD version of Give and Grow, the documentary, to, to the people who are listening – um, I just, I just see you emerging, like being completely reinvented in a, in a way where you're, you're offering a retreat by donation, like give what you pay, what you can or pay what you want. And you're starting to give away these films. It's like, I'm just seeing a whole other side of you. Yeah. I mean, to me, it feels like I'm, I mean, to some extent, I feel like I'm reinventing myself. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a constant evolution. I mean, I'm or constantly reinventing and just, you and already are. It's just showing up, though. I mean, I spend, you know, I shared this two days ago in an interview. I, I think I've spent probably 37, 38, oh, up to 40 years, actually probably 40 years in this earth trying to be anybody, anybody but Philip McKernan. And, uh, and, I, and I'm determined to spend the rest of my life in this earth. I'm 44 now. Uh, the rest of my time in this earth, you know, you know, trying to be, the, you know, not the greatest, the best version, but just me, um, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the greatest, oddest, weirdest fucking version of <laughs> Philip McKernan. And, and that to me is just showing up all of it. I'm being, it's being sweet. myself, being truthful, allowing my, my, my honesty to shine, having tough conversations with my wife, having co- tough conversations with my kids, um, you know, having tough conversations with my clients and just showing up just unencumbered with as many, as few masks on my face as possible. And I say that because people assume yet again that I've all my masks removed. I don't. I don't believe I, I ever will. But just just to show up and to be as honest. I'm telling you one thing, Oliver. One thing is it's it's so freeing and you can do so much more without feeling exhausted. You can your your productivity goes through the roof. Your your energy goes through the roof. Your and it's not about me. I'm not here for Philip McKernan. This is the, the last maybe weird thing we'll finish on. But I feel the work is coming through me. It's not me. It's, and, and, and I'm not a religious person. People say, oh, it's God and it's Christianity. I don't believe in, in religion at all. I just don't believe. I don't have a, it doesn't have a space mm-hmm. in my life. I'm, I'm deeply spiritual in my own way. And I believe that, you know, whatever you believe, great. But, but find a space in this earth to, to believe in yourself, to grow yourself, to deal with your shit. We all have it. So at the very least, we don't pass it on to the next generation. Yeah. I think we have a moral obligation to do that, particularly as parents. Um, and, um, you know, to me, it's just about showing up more and more and more as myself every day and the good, the bad and the ugly. And trust me, there's some ugliness in there, not just my face, but, you know, my, my lack of patience, my, my inability to be the best parent I want to be and, you know, not to be, you know, I want to be a better husband. There's all of that stuff is, is still emerging and, and, it, and it'll never arrive at some destination. It'll just never happen for me. Well, and, and you're a living testament to it because we just, as as we get the benefit of witnessing you on this path, we see that you're shedding layers. We see that you're exploring new territory. We see that you're becoming more and more the authentic you. So it's like you're 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 actually doing what you preach and what you teach all of us. So um, I definitely want to acknowledge you for that. But 
before we go, what's what's your final message for people who are listening? Do you have a ask or a quest? I mean, you, you have a really powerful exercise that you suggested. Is there anything else that you want to say? Um, if I had one request for humanity, and, it's, and I know I do this in my work, and, and you've been a part of that, but it's not even about my work. If there was one request, I mean, you know, it probably might be different tomorrow, but is that, you know, I, I think what one thing we underestimate dramatically is our own personal narrative, our own personal stories. And I think the one thing that people have put, place so little value on is the past. And we're, we're so forward focused and we're so focused yeah. on we're, we're so focused on building a future, visioning a future. And then there's another you know, group of people who are so focused on trying to be living in the now. And I get all of that. But like I believe, so for example, I had a lady on yesterday and she's wondering why certain patterns around relationships, around money, around success are showing up in her life or failure or sabotage. And we just delved into her past for 20 minutes. And she just went, like, she was like literally like boom, boom, boom. It was like, oh my God. She says, I never imagined, ever thought about why I do what I do today. And now I can see exactly why I do it. And then when we understand our past, we have a genuine, genuine, authentic, real opportunity to influence the future, not control it, influence the future, almost to rewrite the future. But the problem today is that we just don't put a value on the past. And the reason for it is that it doesn't have – people don't see a value in it. They don't see the idea. What's the point of going back and uncovering stones and digging up pain and digging – your past has created who you are today and who you are today is creating your future. One of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is delve into the past and to look at it, do it through journaling at home. But if you can find somebody that can bring you through that process, it's very powerful. But at the very least go back and journal why you are the way you are around money today. Why are you the way you are about relationships, the good, the bad, and the not so good, the slightly ugly part of you. And what you'll realize is you'll get huge insights from the past and because your classroom was your parents, your family, your, your, your social environment, your, your, your society as it was that time, what was done to you, what wasn't done to you, the decisions you made, the decisions you didn't make, go into your past and I guarantee you it will hold not secrets, but it'll help you unlock a future that perhaps you can't imagine right now. That is a powerful way to end this. Um, tell us where we can follow you or we can find your work. Uh, yeah, it's uh, everythingisperfect.com is my uh, website. <laughs> no, uh, it's not. Um, um, philipmckernan.com is my, my main website, which we're redeveloping right now. We're actually trying to take it cool. from 100% of the content that it has right now down to 20. So simplifying that. And then givengrow.com. And obviously, we've given you the URL to uh, download the film, givengrow.com forward slash Oliver Manalise. And uh, thank you so much for having me on today. Hey guys, it's Oliver Manalise. Before you take off, just want to give Philip McKernan a huge thanks for being a part of the show. If you want to take advantage of getting his new documentary, his film, Give and Grow, for free, head on over to giveandgrow.com forward slash Oliver Manalise. Use that link and you'll get an HD stream through Vimeo. Uh, Again, this movie is moving. It's inspiring. Be prepared with the tissues because it might create some tears in your eyes. Uh, It's it's definitely very inspirational. Uh, As well, if you want all of the show notes for all the episodes, including this episode, you can find it at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. If you haven't already joined, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter, olivermanalise.com forward slash picks for my weekly recommendations of all things that are empowering, educational, things that I'm loving, reading, and 
recommending. Uh, if you got some value from this episode or any, or any other episode, uh, I would love for you to share that with somebody who you also think might get value from it as well. If you are so inclined, it would be incredibly amazing if you can head on over to iTunes and rate us, give us a five-star rating and write a review. This is the best way for us to spread the message and get more visibility on iTunes. That is all, everybody. Thank you so much for listening.